what's going on, everybody? We got this week's episode here of the Big Gold Bell Podcast. Uh, I am the host here, Two James, and I'm with my right hand guy, the Giant Cab Jamal. What's up, my guy? Uh, I'm not your guy. You, you keep saying that. You keep doing that. Not your guy. But to answer your question, I'm okay. Uh, it's <laughs> actually a good week. Um, NXT uh, last like exclusive network show, and then next week is going to be kind of a mess. Really want to see how they do that. So, yeah, interesting. Lots to talk about. Right on, right on. Um, the other two, I think, are going to be joining us, but we'll see if uh, Damien and uh, and uh, Will joins in. But, um, yes, you're absolutely right. And I think it's, uh, I think it would be absolutely smart to just start off by absolutely talking about what should be a very cool and monumental week as NXT moves to the USA Network live next Wednesday. So, uh, I mean, we talked about it in, in little in little sprinkles over the last week, but now it's actually happening. And uh, what what is just some of your initial thoughts uh, as we are now just a little less than a week away? Well, with um, with NXT splitting time between the USA Network and uh, the WWE Network, it's going to be interesting to see how that continuity will play. Uh, will mm-hmm. they just do Two, uh, a two-hour show on the WWE Network, and the first half is simulcast, and the second half is exclusive to the network. Um, if they do tell you to you know, follow on over to the WWE Network, then what do you do as far as storylines? Uh, you, you, I don't know if it's smart to advance a storyline that half the audience, okay, 80% well, of the audience won't be able to see if they advance it only on the network. Well, I'll say this, and, and I'm not sure if this is known or not, but I'll just say this, and I, uh, and we'll go from there. Um, the reason why the split is only happening for two weeks, and the reason this happened is because of conflict, uh, a scheduling conflict. Um, the, the, the popular show on the USA Network, Suits, has two more weeks to its finale, which happens to coincide with the fact of, two, uh, of, of uh, NXT being two weeks. So they have to split it for the first two weeks in order for them to wrap up um, in order for them to wrap up suits. So this is a temporary thing. But your point is still very valid. How do they handle it for the first two weeks? So with that being said, how does that change your thought process on uh, on the first week? Well, it doesn't. Because if you look at it, um, September 18th, which is next Wednesday, and September 25th, the Wednesday after that, are the first two shows before October 2nd, the Wednesday the AEW debuts on TNT. So you mean to tell me that a multinational uh, you know, television media company didn't know that another multinational media company has their, uh, one of their more popular shows, series finale, on the day that they wanted to run? You're telling me that, like, a, a pretty big occasion for the USA Network is suits going off the air. And they didn't tell WWE once that, oh, yeah, you know, we got this thing, prior engagement. I mean, like, how does that happen? How, how, how does that happen? Now, what, actually, what I think happened is, um, basically, WWE got greedy. Yeah. They know that they wanted to, uh, you know, the AEW is going to start in the second. Yep. They know who they're going to start with, and that's going to be, you know, Cody versus Sammy Guevara and uh, the six-man tag with Jericho and the Bucks and stuff like that. 
And WWE wants to say, like, well, hey, we're just going to move uh, NXT to USA Network. Totally competition. We're going to move uh, NXT to USA Network, and we're going to do a live for two hours. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah, Suits. So we'll split it on the network for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, WWE is clearly getting greedy, but it's, it's not competitive at all. I mean, AEW and WWE and NXT, totally not competition, have, really have nothing to do with each other. No one believes that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, as the point of the show is, the point of the show is to, to draw people away from AEW. Can they do that in an hour when the rest of the show, that hour to kill on the network, nobody's going to see it? So then what's the point of establishing storylines and continuing on, you know, if in a two-hour show when the, only the first hour, uh, hour will be seen? So I want to see how they're going to pull that off. Yeah, no, you're entirely right, and that's my thoughts exactly, is that they, they, they knew that they had a card to play here, and they probably could have waited for the two weeks, but they wanted to get ahead of the competition. Uh, they wanted to make a statement in doing so, um, and so why not? Hey, they, they're very confident in the network subscribers, and they say, hey, we'll do the first week, we'll do a half and half on both, and, it, and everything will be good. Uh, so as far as a little bit about what you're saying, as far as storyline investment, I don't think we're going to get uh, complete continuity within the the two hours of these first two weeks. Maybe, maybe not. Could be wrong. But um, yeah, absolutely. It, it it seems a little bit like estranged. But yeah, because of the elephant in the room of you no, know, them saying they're not competing, they're absolutely competing. And this is a a competition tactic right here by moving to television network. No matter if it's you know, no matter if it does comes with the happen to split the time, um, and it, it's just what it's going to be. Now the other thing is too, them moving to live TV and doing a half and half. How do we do we take this as like a beta run or a, a test run for them to make sure that all of the production everything is running on on full cylinders so that by week three they're good to go to be able to conduct two solid hours is there another car being played here because there's something else i want to talk about that you know we've kind of been whispering about i like real talk i just want to make a quick announcement if you're not listening to our show like you definitely need to be catching up with our weeks because a lot of stuff that we've been saying and it's not like a pat on the back like we're getting this stuff right but a lot of the stuff and a lot of people that's sitting at the table here at this podcast um is putting together some interesting theories and I feel like week after week after week, a lot of these things have been coming to light. And I'll, I'll bring up one of which you were, which you brought up last week as well, too, that, that seems to be coming to fruition. But, um, like, again, to my original point, maybe this is not only just a, a, a statement to AEW, but maybe this is a way of them saying, hey, we're going to, you know, test our production live on Wednesday um, at Full Sail and, um, and see how it goes. So, um, I, I don't think that the, the full cell production is an issue. Uh, they've done takeover. Uh, the, the first show on the network was NXT Arrival, um, and that was a live show on the network, and that was that went off without a hitch. And they've done takeover specials and stuff like that from uh, full cell live. So, but I, but, I think, but does USA Network have it, it like, and again, I'm completely uh, ignorant to this. Does USA Network infrastructure, you know, vice versa of them 
going to WWE Network? Is there, it, it, you know, is there any type of challenges that that may cause where, no. you know, USA Network no. may use like a different protocol of some sort? You know what I mean? Is there I any mean, challenges it's there? The technical stuff. I mean, there's no real way to know. No. Okay. I think the only difference is, is because the actual physical production is going to come from Full Sail. They already know what they're doing. It's not like USA has a sports. It's not like USA has a sports, uh, you know, production team that WWE is using. WWE produces their own stuff, and then they'll uplink it to USA, which will broadcast it out of their uh, through their networks. Mm-hmm. So unless the satellite truck gets hit by a bus, they should be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of um, you know hitting their cues and stuff like that, and having the wrestlers uh, prepare for live TV and uh, the advent of commercial breaks. Uh, you can edit a lot in timing. If a match goes super, super long, then you can kind of edit that down. Uh, you can, uh, you know, do a lot of things that may or may not make sense and or out of place and when you have a week to edit. And NXT, what they do a lot is they'll dub over some stuff um, to introduce a promo or, or something like that. Or if something changes during the week, uh, they'll just have uh, the guys just call the match from a monitor. And just completely double over the match. So they can do whatever, but with live, obviously, adds a different dynamic to it. Live TV, anything and everything can happen, except it usually doesn't because they're professionals. So I don't expect anything but the best in uh, the actual production level from NXT uh, uh, via WWE and the USA Network. I'd be very surprised if it didn't. And actually, that's kind of one of the sticking points for AEW is that their production is ass. Um, compared to the high level of production value for pro wrestling today, uh, whether it's a major indie or Ring of Honor or WWE and all of their brands, the production levels has got to be on point if you're talking about uh, you know, competing at that level on TV. Do you think, and I'm just going to throw this out here, and I've already kind of have my, mind, my answer made here, um, when it comes down to week one for NXT, week one for AEW, who has the biggest challenge on going to live television? Well, week one for NXT is already kind of a, a, a cluster F because half their show won't be seen by the target audience. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes you wonder how the story is going to go, you know, what they're going to do. I mean, it, it, it's almost like the, uh, the second half of the show is the dark match. You know, for the WWE Network audience, which is, you know, a, a lot less than a major basic cable television channel. So uh, with the move being hyped to move to the network, I mean, from the network to uh, the USA Network, uh, that will be interesting. Also, what's interesting is uh, for partners overseas uh, with NXT moving to uh, the USA Network. Obviously, it's WWE uh, Raw and SmackDown airs live around the world uh, in a lot of uh, markets, in a lot of countries, in real time. Will that be the case with NXT? Uh, will uh, those guys over in, in England, uh, you know, Wales, Northern Ireland, um, Germany, France, will they be able to watch NXT live? Uh, because they're not, because obviously they don't have the USA Network, part of their basic, basic cable channel. And so, who knows? You know, who knows? That's going to be an interesting thing because they definitely have a presence worldwide. Now, yeah. as far as um, 
you know, what AEW has to do on the second, uh, they just basically have to tighten up their production and do their show. They've already set it up. We just need to see it now. Um, so, okay, so you talk about the target audience then. So the target audience is going to be in the first hour within both weeks. Uh, how do you foresee them booking the shows then to ensure that the target audience is really defined? Because obviously, at the end of the show, you want to do your championship match, but if the target audience aren't going to be able to watch your championship match or the match with the most stake, then what will they do within that first hour? So how do you see that happening now? Well, I think, you know, there are... I, honestly, this is a pretty good opportunity to sell the WWE Network, which isn't something that the WWE Network... Uh, the WWE does. So, uh, and Damian, I want to ask you a question since you just hopped in here. Uh, I'll get you a question in a second, but since WWE doesn't really sell the network, when you book a match, do you end that first hour on a cliffhanger, knowing that a larger amount of that audience is going to have to tune out? Um, do you start it with something major that gets people to the hook for next week? And you know, will it be the same show for the same one show for the for one audience, or will it be two separate shows? Uh, who knows? I mean, hell, they could just do a highlight show for the network. But honestly, what I think is they, they do the show, they have a kind of like a B-plus level um, main event for the second hour, and they sell the hell out of the network to get you to watch them. Whatever that match is shouldn't progress any major storylines, but if we can get Keith Lee versus, uh, hell, Velveteen Dream for no reason, that's a, that's a match that would sell some, some network subscriptions. Well, right on. Let me chime in really quick. Sorry, I lost my connection really quick, everybody. Uh, okay, so Welcome. you just brought up you just brought up Keith Lee. Mm -hmm. I would think that person, like Keith Lee, for me, if he was on AEW, would be an upper mid card main event guy. So if you're a independent wrestling fan and you have the choice between watching, let's be honest here. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, or you can turn and watch Keith Lee versus Velveteen Dream. Which which is a more marquee kind of competitors to watch? So for me, it's pretty easy. <laughs> but then again, I'm giving you know you and I and the rest of us we we have hindsight because we know these the, these wrestlers and for the most part at NXT kind of churns out these superstars. Uh, it's easy for us to make that choice, but. For the person that's watched, let's say, all the AEW events and they've never seen NXT over the last six months, maybe Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus works for them. And I know where I would be, but you know what? To be quite honest, it's going to be an interesting comparison, uh, Jamal, just to, just to kind of tie a bow in it from my end. Like, I'm going to try really hard to switch between channels <laughs> <laughs> depending on like social media saying, Hey, this match is up on this hour. This match is up, you know, in the next 20 minutes tune in. Cause that's going to be important for me as a fan. What's the, what's the card breakdown per show? And I'm going to say, okay, in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to see, let's just say Jamal, let's borrow your idea from a couple weeks ago, Kevin Owens or Daniel Bryan's on NXT. Or am I going to tune in to watch Private Party as much as I love them? 
against, you know, Angelico and Jack Evans for like the third time. It's it's pretty easy. Well, well, uh, okay. So let, let me ask you this. And, and hey, Will, uh, since you just joined us, I guess I'll ask all three of you this. Uh, <laughs> We've if all you guys, party now. I, I try. Uh, if you all are uh, cable subscribers, I am not a cable subscriber. I have actually cut the cord. So as a person without it, uh, is it because most cable com- providers come with a standard DVR now, does that shape when and how you watch uh, one show over the other? Because I'm getting vibes of uh, Mick Foley winning the title and, and you know, um, uh, what the hell, WCW basically saying, don't watch Raw, it's going to suck because that goofball Mick Foley wins the title <laughs> and no one cares. <laughs> and that was the opposite of the reaction that, uh, yeah. Yeah, that happened because I remember that day and I remember going, Oh, really? <laughs> oh, <hell. laughs> yep. I guess I was because I never was inclined to watch. So do you think now that we live in a DVR world, um, will you should, uh, A, number one, should these companies kind of, you know, telegraph what the other guy's doing? Secondly, does having a private recorder built into your cable box change the way you watch something that's going to be on the network versus DVR and AUW? So anybody, because I don't have cable. I, I'm going to go last here. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, yeah, I think it comes, it, for me, thinking back to, to the Monday Night War era and everything, where I was definitely more on interested in what WCW was doing for the most part until the tide kind of turned and WCW started falling apart. Right. For the most part back then, I would watch Nitro live and then if I didn't like what was going on on Nitro, I'd flip it over and see what was going on on Raw. And as things went on, it became more and more watching Raw and not watching Nitro. It just, for me, it all just depended what was happening and what was grabbing my attention at a given moment. Now, I straight up know people even back then that were running like two VCRs at the time and recording both <laughs> shows, no problem. <laughs> I didn't have no setup like that. I was just channel surfing between. Well, the you can do that when you have the TV, a bigger TV below the smaller TV. <laughs> all right. We all had that. Mm-hmm. Getting that piggyback action. Yeah. There's the a lot, 40 inch there's with a the 13 inch on, on top of it in the corner. Yep. There's a yeah. lot of truth going on right now. Mm. When are we going to talk about scramblers at any point today? Or oh, that? come on or now. Oh, oh, we're going to talk about how we used to get the pay-per-views. <laughs> There you go. Kicking uh, it old school on that. Hot box. Yeah, because everybody they, had a guy. They don't know about, you know, multivision having the A and B side. They don't understand. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there you I, go. I, I legit remember the, the, the confusion in my life when I was like, wait, there's only one side now? Like, wait, what happened to all those channels? Like, it's, it, it, it's interesting how we had, had to get by back then. But look, now that you guys are all joined too, like, again, just to kind of put in the full circle of what, we, what we've been talking about before you guys join. So, the fact that like NXT for the mm-hmm. first two weeks are going to be running half network, excuse me, half USA network, half WWE network because right. of the conflict of scheduling with the with the show Suits, um, yeah, and, and 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 Suits is going to be wrapping up um, at the finale uh, two weeks after the two two weeks of two weeks after Wednesday, um, and you know the first hour obviously is going to be used as Hitting their target audience. The reason why they're on the USA Network, not just because of just 
going live, but because of the fact of like they do have to draw in an audience, and that's what those first hours is. And the, the, the USA Network is going to be obviously catered to. Does, oh, it's just people who are subscribed to the network obviously have it for a reason. So there, there's nothing to really work for there. Uh, but I like a question I asked Jamal, and I just asked you guys really quick too. Going to NXT's first week, uh, considering the challenge that they have there, and AEW who has ran live TV. Who's always who who've already had production issues? If you ask me, from their pay per views, which one of these companies legit has the biggest challenge going into their first week of live TV? AEW. AEW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're starting from scratch. They got to make a first impression. NXT may have unfamiliar faces, but it's still at its core a WWE product. So it has that going for it right out of the gate. It's a WWE product on the channel that's most associated with WWE. AEW is starting from square one on TNT and is going to have a large portion of people probably that night who quite possibly are seeing AEW for the very first time. So they, they have a much steeper climb in my mind as far as putting on a show on a weekly basis that they've never done before and also introducing themselves to an audience that does not know them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. I, I the only thing that I would disagree with uh with Will is that I think that NXT may actually have a tougher road to go with it because a- AEW they actually have their audience in place already. They know the schedule of being the Lily. They know the schedule of the uh, Cody Rhodes, you know, channel, uh, Road to whatever the hell. Um, you know, so they are already ingrained a um, internet-based uh, fandom. So I think the only thing that fans of AEW specifically are waiting for is that the show to come on, um, and everybody will be waiting for them. Just do better production, but they're just waiting for the show. Whereas NXT is going to have whatever their storylines are going to be because half the show is going to be on the network exclusively. That also could, and until I hear, hear otherwise, assume that it will alienate their international audiences that don't have access to the inter- USA network. Right. Um, so then what will they do for those two weeks? Uh, you know, because we haven't heard anything about international audiences and licensing agreements with other um, uh, networks over there. You can't just call up Jay Sports and say, hey, we got two hours about to get you. So who knows? And then, of course, there is that delay where NXT is going to be on Thursdays premiering on the network around the world in the two-hour block. But what would that mean for continuity in real time? And as we live on Twitter, that's the most important thing. So I, I can't say that you know it's neck and neck, but I got to give the edge to WWE as far as they may have a tougher road to hoe. Um, especially since uh, their product isn't really well known, their storylines are kind of going to be kind of goofy for the first two weeks, and they're dealing competing with AEW and all the other sports that are coming back. Uh, you know, basketball talk, football is in season right now, and and so on and so forth. So yeah, yeah, and also too, I just want to add to this to, to make this a complete a stalemate uh, by absolutely agreeing with what you're saying too. When you have the name WWE. E attached to it, there's going to be a level of expectations that no matter if this is NXT or not, people are going to look at this and say, WWE, it must have people we know. It's It must have these big, bigger than life uh, superstars that we've heard uh, that's in WWE on this show. And 
it quickly can draw in people by saying, oh, it's a WWE product, and it will quickly exit because no one is there now. YAW, new, really, you know, don't have any expectations to live up to since they're new, but also has their cult, cult following that's going to ride with them no matter what. So, yeah, the NST people, the full sale crowd and so forth, they'll be in the building, but who's actually watching this? Who's going to sit and watch it? And it is one thing watching, it's one thing from network subscribers watching, but actually having cable, even, even you know, switching up their cable packages to be able to get this is a whole nother part outside of people who already have cable, but I'm pretty sure no one solely has cable for the fact of having USA Network. <laughs> so, it, it, I, Look, I just think... So you're telling me that you're not down for those Grizzlies knows best uh, marathons? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and sooner or later, that's going to be gone, considering his own personal life choices now, too. So, oops. Uh, yeah, oops. <laughs> uh, so, I actually think that NST may have a tougher uh, hill to, to, uh, to climb here as far as uh, making sure that this uh, runs on all cylinders uh, for weeks to come. Uh, but anywho, um, unless you guys got anything to add, I want to add in a wild card to this conversation really quick. And this is something that, again, like before you guys joined, I told you more that we brought it up last week and now um, it looks like it's coming to fruition now. So we talked about the purple brand. The purple brand in 205 Live. And we kind of said, well... What's going to happen to that purple brand? Because um, it's it obviously hasn't caught the steam that uh, we wanted it to be uh, after the Cruiserweight Classic. Um, the whole purple charades and, and Barney World uh, obviously was not working. And now with things going to live TV, 205 Live, this, uh, I don't know, would it be giving it too much credit saying third oh third slash fourth brand uh is no. kind yeah. in limbo yeah. okay yeah <laughs> okay yeah. i was being, I was being extra generous but look i will say 205 live has been making what well, was trying to make good strides and bringing in uh new talent to the roster uh kushida just was on 205 live uh Shane Strickland was on 205 Live. So they've been switching up the rosters a little bit, but it really doesn't matter because it's the overall. I feel like the overall brand is tainted. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because of just the. I think it should have been. Re, it should have been. It should have started immediately after the Cruiser Classic. It shouldn't have been segregated with all of the Barney paraphernalia and so forth. Right. So, but anyway, in recent interview with Newsweek, Triple H kind of confirmed. That 205 Live and the Cruiserweight wrestlers will be moving over to the NXT brand. Right. Um, which that means that the WWE is in plans to cancel 205 Live before this year is over. Um, I could read this quote unless you guys have already read it, but nonetheless, um, what is your what is your guys' thoughts? Right move, wrong move, how ultimately should this be done? This is a roster of what? I don't know, 15 people? Barely uh, now, like nine. Um <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump in here because I, I, I like to think I'm an avid 205 Live appreciator. Uh, oh, it's good it wrestling, no doubt. No it should have been at full sale to start with. <laughs> yeah. Bring it on the road with Raw was one of the worst decisions WWE could have done to, to pretty much... They were trying to pull a Nitro, where it's like, we had these exciting cruiserweights, when in reality, a lot of the regular carters, I'm not going to say mid or whatever... 
they can do some of the moves that the 1996 Cruiserweights can do. So, for instance, mm-hmm. if you would have brought up Heath Lee to the main roster, some of the stuff that Grand Metalik can do, so can so can Keith Lee. So the, <laughs> the, the special aspect of it, the mystification of it, doesn't exist as much as it did in 1996-97. It should have stayed at full sale because the Cruiserweight Classic, tournaments like that, they need a smaller, intimate venue of, of not sports entertainment fans, wrestling fans who can appreciate people like Drew Gulak, Humberto Cadillo, Grand Metalik, the Lucha House Party, which I still think is a dumbass name, but it still works for them. <laughs> like, as, as a Latino, I still think that's stupid. Uh, for guys like Buddy Murphy, who finally evolved. So the reason why I think it should have stayed at Full Sail, beside that, was it would have given people like that a chance to show it on a major scale where they're in NXT, and then they get brought up like regular competitors where someone like Buddy Murphy, Ali, Cedric, you could have just booked them like regular NXT talent and brought them up. If you want to shoehorn them in a tag team, shoot, you could do a trios division with just like the cruiserweights and call that a trios tag team or a triple threat tag team championship, whatever you want to call it. The biggest mistake they did was moving the cruiserweights to Raw. If you were to put them on SmackDown, that was the wrestling show, air quotes. That could have worked. But to have it on the soap opera show does not help anyone in that realm. So the fact that it's being absorbed back to 205 Live, for me, that's WWE kind of saying, listen, this was a miscalculation. Full Sail will love these guys. Let's put them back there, rebuild their their potential star power, and, and go from there. So I think it's a great move overall for those talents. You've seen it now with like Gallagher going over to, to uh, NXT UK. You've seen Shane Strickland up, like we said, on the main roster briefly. Cedric, Ali, like I said, Buddy Murphy, they are part of the mainstays now of, of, of storylines where you don't even look at them as, oh, those guys used to be cru- uh, cruiserweight only. You know, Pac, for instance, even though he's no longer in WWE, he is a viable uh, competitor for other belts. He doesn't have to be a cruiserweight. So I think this is a great move, long overdue. Let them shine on, on, on NXT. The one person I worry about, and I was talking about this with a wrestling fan last night, all those guys can, can be in NXT and thrive. The Bennett's, the, the, the house party, the, the Carrillo's. The one dude I worry about who does nothing for me is Aria Davari. (laughs) (laughs) There was a time during Worlds Collide, he was rocking the Ambrose black t-shirt and blue jeans thing during Mania Week. I said, oh, okay, they're trying him as a lightweight Ambrose because Ambrose is now becoming Moxley and leaving the company. He has no character aside from when he was doing that money, that Shaza Sunset character that he was rocking for a little while there with the gold chain and everything. He's the only one I don't think will translate anywhere else on the main roster. Everybody else can slide into NXT and be okay. Mm. Well, <laughs> I, I think the idea is you need to integrate the, uh, the cruiserweights. Yes. Um, there was a time <clears throat> where Vince McMahon it seemingly didn't know the difference between a cruiserweight and a luchador. <laughs> and he would just go, yeah, the small guys, you know, put him out there. Yeah. And we know that he has his type. 
and he's still, you know, ideally stuck in like the late sixties, early seventies, where everybody looked like Rocky Johnson or Bruno San Martino. Yes. That's why Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt and John that's why John Heidenreich got a job. Uh, Truth. But now with the, uh, the the cruiserweights, and, and I agree to the point of, well, that's that moveset that they're known for isn't special anymore, uh, which is why I just integrate them. Uh, it should be a title that everybody shouldn't qualify for that is just another title. There isn't anything that says that a female can't vie for the World Heavyweight Championship. Right. But until somebody does it, here we are. Now, obviously, that would beg the question of, well, what classifies as a heavyweight? Okay, cool. But then if they legitimately booked Nia Jax for a WWE uh, heavyweight title run, Nobody's going to argue against that because she has to win it. But, but, that's, but that's just one of those things where it's just seamless. Um, this, and that's the same thing with a Euro, the European title. It either needs to be defended in Europe or won by a European, whichever caveat they want to make the title relevant for. Uh, and that's the U.S. championship. Either needs to be defended in America or held by only Americans. That's all it is. So it's just another title that is seamless. It's a part of the show. It, it should never get the purple rope treatment unless Velveteen Dream is the GM. Uh, <laughs> you know, get any of that silliness. It, it's just a title that if you want to cut weight and try to win, then do it. And that's the same thing with the other. T- I mean, there's like 96 titles in boxing. So if you want to fight at a certain weight, then you can try for that one. If you think you can win this one, then eat some more steaks and try for to try to win that one. And that's that's all that it is, and that's all it really should have been. But now they had to, you know, duct tape the ropes with purple and do the purple audience deal, and and get the whole thing. And and Pac was the perfect purple champion yes, with the was. purple belt and the purple that's trunks. Not, yeah, yeah, the, all of it's unnecessary, uh, you know. And then of course they had Michael Cole come out there and say that everybody's a super high flyer. Well, you don't have to be. You just right. have to be under 205 pounds. And the Cruiserweight Classic could have been the King of the Ring tournament that, that nobody knew that they knew that they needed. But I digress because none of that matters because they didn't do any of that. So uh, just integrated with, uh, with NXT, you have a bunch of guys on there that are on the heavyweight scene that are flirting around 205 anyway. And if Johnny Gargano loses an NXT major or mid-major tap championship, have him challenge the Cruiserweight champion just to give him something to do. And you can say that's the same thing with any of the cruiserweights. Why can't they be North American champions and cruiserweight champions? So the only person that can't be a cruiserweight champion, it would be like Keith Lee or Dijak, or, and, and so on. So it just creates more matchups. And, and hopefully if they tell the story right, it, it's just another opportunity for people without something to do to be pushed in a direction towards a championship, which, if belts matter, that's what you want from your characters anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna let Will get in there, but quickly, I just want to say too. Also, when you talk about storylines, it is also it is definitely interesting to see somebody win the championship but not be eligible, and then therefore having to forfeit it. I mean, if you're talking about this easy storylines or getting people invested, I think that's just something you can rock with, just to see someone either go over, uh, uh so, so, someone to win and win it and, and win the championship, just to find out they were they were more than a 205 Live. I mean, it's interesting because 
again, you book a rematch because the person cuts weight. You bring up, you brought up boxing. I thought it was interesting as well too, because in boxing, if you are over the weight limit, your 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 win is called uh, is is a what do they call a no contest, and you know. Even though the match happened, people still like it, and no matter the outcome of it, um, it does get you more invested for the next match because people are just like, "Well, this person won overweight. What's going to happen if he's actually is the weight now?" So, like, it's this easy story writing that you can really do with some of these uh, guys who are um, who are proclaiming uh, cruiserweights because of the weight limit. Also, the fact of like you do designate the fact that cruiserweights are 205 or less, and that's not something a lot of people would have known. So it does bring in the state of what other people's uh, weight may be. And I think it's interesting to say that, well, Keith Lee is 295, and he's doing cruiserweight stuff. That's a way That's a way of showing purely how athletic this guy is, not being 205 live, but also bringing up his weight in a way of relevance besides how they did Nia Jax for so long, saying, well, she's the most powerful woman because she's this weight. And it's just like, well... Yeah, she was the only one that they acknowledged, uh, you know, what her weight was. <laughs> it was like, yeah, well, so... But yeah, um, but yeah, go ahead, Will. Get in there. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to repeat a lot of what's already been said because I totally agree with it. I do want to say that Jamal's idea he just dropped to Johnny Gargano being in the cruiserweight title picture... I love that, and I think that would be a great way to reboot the Cruiserweight Championship once it becomes part of Mm -hmm. NXT, and also a great way of keeping Gargano out of the NXT title picture, because he don't need to be involved in that right now. He's, He's been in that darn scene. We've done Adam Cole and him to death. Let's get Gargano away and into something else, and if it means rebooting the Cruiserweight title with like him adding some star power to it, I think that's a really solid idea, but y'all been totally on point with once you see guys like Keith Lee doing moonsaults and dives off the top to the outside, then the bloom is off the rose when you see a guy who's like 180 doing it. It's just not the same thing. It's way more impressive to see the near 300 pounder doing it. And that's what really undercut the cruiserweight division. Never even mind the, Purple rope purgatory, as I always called it, since they were so damn focused <laughs> on those damn purple ropes and purple lights and branding everything purple instead of like focusing really on the personalities and the wrestlers involved. Getting them off of Raw and uh, I mean, it hasn't been on SmackDown ever, but just, yeah, getting them out of those big buildings is going to help a ton. Making it part of NXT is just a much better fit. It'll fit better with the fan base there. It'll get lead to better reactions. And if it be- becomes like the third title as part of the NXT brand beneath like the North American one for like the smaller guys, I think it, it can work really good with a two hour NXT show and takeover specials. It's one more thing they can do on there to feature a different core group of guys and like I said, I mean, if you can pick someone like Johnny Gargano that's already an established main eventer there and around that weight and be like, hey, we can slide him into this, then it gives everyone a whole other little thing to to do down there so that everyone's not just constantly going after the NXT main title or the North American title. So I'm down with it. I think, I think it could really work out good. We just got to see how they implement it in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. And also, too, I think it's I think it's a key thing to point out here is that I believe there's this misconception that Full Sail is all of what we've seen in the past. Uh, that arena can absolutely get bigger. 
expect it to get bigger. Expect it to be a bigger crowd. Um, and now a more diverse crowd because people are finding means to travel down for weekly televised uh, programming, which I assume at a great price, too. Um, so, and now, like, again, you're going to get a combination of the full-blown NXT roster, 205 people, and hopefully a lot of what Jamal was saying, some of these other people coming to work on the NXT brand. Um, full sale is going to be rocking. <laughs> Expect some great things to be happening down there for weeks to come. Um, and and I, I'm definitely excited for it. Um, but uh, other than that, let's, let's, let's move on to the next topic. And uh, I kind of feel like Jamal, because he is the biggest Hootie fan I've ever known. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, ma- um, it's a majestic bird. <laughs> and some news that I feel like I just kind of just been like throwing out there for a while, but it's obviously finally official that uh, Anthem, Anthem now buys. Well, here's the thing. That's new to me. I had no clue that was even on scope. That Anthem was buys access. I knew yes. that Impact was rumored to go to, uh, to to the access, you know, uh, the block of of of, of wrestling with Wow right. and with uh and with uh New Japan, New Japan, and I'm not sure. I think everyone was getting an hour, or it looks like now that Impact is getting two hours. Is that right? Um, so well, we we don't know yet. They haven't announced a day or time. They just said they're coming. Okay, but, so it may not be. On, is, let, let, let's be break it down. Let's block. break it all down. What happened? Because there's a lot of moving pieces here. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, go for it. Go for it. Okay, so I guess it was announced yesterday. Was it? Was it yesterday? I think. I mean, it's been yeah. rumored for a while now. But Anthem, Anthem Entertainment, the the parent company that bought TNA from Dixie Carter, Impact Wrestling, whatever you want to call it. The owners of Impact have bought the majority interest of Access TV, the channel that New Japan and WOW Women of Wrestling are on. So they own the channel now. And apparently that's going to be a deal like uh, Steve Harvey's involved with the deal. And uh, Mark Cuban, who originally started the channel now, has like he's still maintaining a minority interest. But Anthem is now the majority owners of the channel. And they announced today that Impact will be moving there in October, uh, I guess right after Bound for Glory. We don't know a date yet or which day of the week. All of the programming they have been showing, the New Japan and WoW block has been on uh, Saturdays. So it could conceivably be part of that. Maybe they want to put it on a different night of the week. I mean, come October, uh, Tuesday nights are uh, suddenly going to be really lonely. Um, but yeah, we've had rumors that impact was going to be going there. Like two James was saying the way I understood this whole thing was when impacts deal with pop TV was coming to an end and they knew they needed to find a new home that they approached access about getting on there and access immediately shot them down. And they were like, no, we don't want none of it. We already got new Japan and we're possibly getting a women's program. We don't want more wrestling on here. We already got new Japan and wow. And they weren't interested in it. So the workaround to this became, well, if you don't want us, maybe uh, our parent company wants to buy you out, (laughs) Mm. which apparently has finally happened. But it's been, I guess, been rumored since around the end of last year. 
know so far is that a lot of people that were working for Access now uh, are no longer working for Access since Anthem's coming in and taking over. And uh, New Japan's deal apparently runs through January 2021. So they obviously have an existing contract. And wow, uh, women are wrestling. They have obviously an existing contract of some sort. And they're about to tape new episodes. So those shows are still going to be there. But what the entire flavor of the channel is going to be and what the political climate of the channel is going to be, I think there's a lot of possible uh, changes that could be on the horizon for all involved. Okay, uh, just just something, and everybody just please jump in with all the information you got. I'm just reading something now that immediately after Bound for Glory, uh, which is going to be October 20th in Chicago, um, then it will then begun, begin airing weekly on Access TV. This program also will semi-cast globally on Impact Wrestling's official Twitch channel. I, okay. I, I just want to know, like, when you're talking, like, when you're when you're talking like a financial move of going to access, why why still allow the free stream on Twitch? Is there something that's, I'm not getting here? That's that's right. their international distribution because they have they have no international deals anymore. Oh, okay. okay. So like remember access? That's just the U.S. And also, also you got to remember, a lot of people, myself included, cannot get access on their cable, even if they want to pay for it. It's straight up just not available. Unless I unless I get like Sling, I cannot buy access on like Xfinity here. Mm. Straight up Um, that, and also access is usually on the higher tier of most cable company uh, charts, like the highest one. (laughs) Yeah, so unless you want to pay, you know. 100 bucks for this channel and like you know potpie.tv then that <laughs> that's going to like exclude you from uh from access as well um yeah this is also, not usa or the tnt thing, twitch is twitch is free uh is free um distribution so the only thing they need to do is you know big advertisers um and monitor the chat so if they can get a couple of thousand people in on Twitch to watch and then have another uh, streaming service, uh, not a streaming service, but another audience watching concurrently around the world you know, on, on demand. Yeah, that's a, it's a pretty good deal for them, considering that their overhead doesn't have to go through a, uh, an actual network provider. Yeah, And that's what they've been doing currently with the, the deal with them being on Pursuit. Right now, which I mean, literally nobody I think has that channel unless, like, you, have, like, a, unless you have like a hunting a hunting package on like direct TV or something. I, like I, nobody's got that damn thing. Yo, I got to say, when they were on Destination America, I was like, "What the hell is that? What is that exactly?" Yeah. Yeah, see, at least Destination America and Pop. I had both those channels <laughs> and access. I can't even if I want to shell out the money for them. I gotta like get them through like Sling or like a streaming service, but I can't even like. I I, I had people immediately coming at me and saying, "Well, they're gonna be there on me on cable again." And I'm like, I can't get them. I can't get them if I want to do. It's mm-hmm. strip. I cannot get access. So I'm, I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna say. Put out there. <laughs> For the Saturday block, I think it was re- pretty cool to have Wild WoW, then um, Wild WoW, then New Japan then Impact, which would have been cool, would have been hour hour two hour and then a repeat. 
Uh, I think that's pretty cool for Saturday night. Uh, also, if I'm not mistaken, don't ROH come on Saturday night or is it Friday night? ROH comes on whenever it wants to over whenever the weekend around the country. Uh, okay, it's not. It's not <laughs> either, either way, I'm just saying, <laughs> sisters may be wrestling fans that's hanging out in the in the in the creep hours of the night. Um, it, it will, yeah, I mean, if you're up smoking like crack, and please. Back in the day, though. <laughs> well, yeah. ECW two o'clock in the morning on MSG Network back home in New York, so yep. it's no different. I mean, there but was a reason why ECW aired in Philly earlier than that. So Ring of Honor is based in Baltimore, and they uh, show first on Channel Fifty Four in Baltimore at like Saturday at ten, and then it's distributed throughout the country after that. But if you have Honor Club, you can see it earlier. But then again, their current television show is from before the pay-per-view. So, Ring of Honor, it, it's on, I guess? <laughs> it's um, there. It, yeah. It we're exists. There. And I think on Sundays, there's a, a sub-channel that Sinclair Broadcasting owns, and they show Ring of Honor not yeah. in high definition on uh, whatever the sub-channel Charge. Is. Charge. Yeah, yeah, I see yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it, it's in standard death, and then they also, like, I think, on Monday nights, it's on a fight. It gets added to the fight app. Mm. So, like, there's there's different ways you can get to the Ring of Honor show, but it goes back to the old problem that there's not a set time for it, and it's also weeks out of date, like it's always been. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through for that. But Impact, I mean, at least right now, the deal with like. Pursuit. And I'm guessing the same deal will be with Access. Is like they cur- they concurrently do the show on the on the channel they're on, and then it's also as the Twitch stream going at the same time. The thing that got me was just they never had any option that you could watch it like later, unless like you subscribe to their app. It was like I'm not set, you know ten o'clock on a Friday night. There wasn't too many times I was looking to watch Impact on Twitch, mm-hmm. but I'm like, hey, it's Saturday morning. 11 a.m. and I'm just like sitting there with a cup of coffee. Hey, maybe I want to throw on Impact, but there was no way to do it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also too, it looks like a lot of uh, looks like there's been some layoffs uh, at Access because of this as well too. So, uh, that's well, I mean that, that's going to happen when any uh, acquisition happens. Yeah, there, you know, yeah, there's going to be overlap. Yeah, it's new yeah, ownership. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think. We touched on it as well as too is that um what does this ultimately mean for impact the brand uh obviously view viewership with it has been a struggle relevance mm-hmm. as far as being a, a good valuable third brand as it should be the second brand if you ask me um it's but ultimately what does this do for them now i will say this impact itself i don't have the answer but for the talent this is damn good for them. Oh, hell yeah. Considering mm-hmm. that you get people like Tessa Blanchard, you see her uh, be dominant on Impact. You see her be dominant on WoW. Uh, and then somebody like Kiara Hogan, you see the same thing. And then for some of these uh, women who are dominant on WoW, it gives them an opportunity to also get recognition on Impact. And who knows what this means for New Japan and their American distribution and or talent that may be able to work uh, both brands. So I think talent wise, this has to be 
Uh, very, very exciting. Now, we've, you know, there's been rumors about Impact working with, like, uh, or they worked with C- CMLL and AAA. I think there was an announcement with that. I'm not really sure if anything's really come to fruition with that. But this le- legitimate makes options very valuable here. And um, I think for a talent perspective, this is absolutely a win. But you guys can either answer about talent, but I'm curious to know uh, myself, what does this mean for impact the brand? <laughs> well, brand recognition is is the name of the game. Uh, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. It doesn't matter if you put it on 17 star matches if nobody sees it. Uh, we've been saying the same thing about Ring of Honor for the past definite two or three years, but really the last five uh, since NXT, uh, since uh, WWE kind of trade picked a lot of their great guys. Where are you and why should we care? Mm-hmm. So it's about effort. WWE is everywhere. You can't help but find them or find a product of theirs. Um, whether it's the network or the T-shirts or the whatever, they're all encompassing. Uh, impact, not as much. You kind of got to go find them. They're like, you're, you know, they're just a step above Wrestle Circus, basically. Um, and Ring of Honor somehow scraping the bottom of the barrel below them. They're their own by goddamn television company. It just annoys me to, to think of that. But, so, but now, Impact went from, hey, they're on Twitch, sure, to they're on a, you know, mid-tier television station with decent distribution they'll be seen in 50 million homes that's a win and considering where they came from uh what two years ago when they were like uh the smashing pumpkins guy uh, billy corgan billy was corgan. about to buy him and the reign of dixie carter and that whole deal and we didn't know what they were going to be we didn't know they were going to exist and now they're going from that to a major nationwide u.s distribution deal that's a win that's that's nothing but a win. Here here's what I'm wondering coming out of this deal. If um one of the elephants in the room we've been talking about on and off since uh ROH and M- and uh New Japan's Madison Square Garden show was that whole relationship between Ring of Honor and New Japan and how they've been so loyal to each other and how that MSG show really spotlighted just kind of how far off ROH has fell. That was, you know, a, a tale of two shows where you had the New Japan side of the card and then you had the ROH side of the card. <laughs> and they were quite noticeably different. Um, with everything that's happening now with this deal and New Japan being on access and that being their primary U.S. exposure that kind of led to them getting these shows in the States and getting pay-per-views going and getting the guys that ended up forming AEW over. Now that Anthem owns access, are they in a position to kind of put some pressure on New Japan and be like, you know, hey, uh, we're your U.S. TV partners now. Uh, We are the channel that your show is on. And we own a wrestling company. And yeah, you haven't had good, you know, experiences with a uh, TNA, but and you haven't wanted to listen to us about doing anything. But you know, now that we're in a relationship where you're on our network, uh, we're new ownership of the channel, and we're new ownership of TNA. What are you doing with the Ring of Honor still? Why aren't you doing something with Impact? Why aren't you doing mm-hmm. something with your TV partners' property? Right. And if you're interested in keeping this TV deal going, 
past January 2021. You know, is is access now can they be used as leverage with New Japan to maybe be like, hey, why why are you still hanging around with Ring of Honor? Now 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 that you got impact over here that's on the same channel as you that we could do some cross promotion with. That's what I'm wondering. It, it, can can uh, this turn into something more possibly? That obviously, I'm sure Impact, they'd love it. God, they, they'd be jumping through hoops to make it happen. Now that they have you know, this you know what should happen? the TV channel. You know, you know what really should happen? Mm-hmm. If what? Impact should just go ahead and bite the bullets if they're spending some money, just buy Ring of Honor. Thank you. Uh, I've that, heard that rumor today. I've heard that rumor the last two days. Can you repeat and, that one more time? Just one more time, please. Well, it'd be Anthem. Anthem, I bring of honor. It'd be. Well, yeah. I mean, Hootie uh, should yeah. spread his majestic wings <laughs> and swoop down um, on the great city of Baltimore <laughs> and uh, knock on the door of Sinclair Broadcasting and say, hey, here's a, here's a suitcase full of bird seed and cash. We want to take the ring of honor. <laughs> Yeah, is, because, that's the whole question. Is Sinclair selling? Do they want to sell? <laughs> I don't think they have anything to lose. I mean, if Ring of Honor, how much could it be worth? And I don't mean like in an actual number, but considering what they have, Jay Briscoe, uh, Mark Briscoe, I meant to say Jay Lethal at first, and Matt Taven, <laughs> and that's it. You yeah. you don't mean the Women of Honor? <gasps> <gasps> Exactly. No, they, they were all in the AEW Battle Royal. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's be real here. Velvet Sky might be pulling in more money than Matt Taven. Okay, okay. I can't believe that name was going to get dropped today. Even. Or Mandy that's, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a different channel that they're on. I got to tell you, mm. I got to tell you, everybody's name who's been mentioned in the last uh, 10 seconds, Twitter pages have been absolutely... Hilarious. I would not name them because I do not want to be in jeopardy of being blocked because it seems like they're not taking criticism towards their towards their wrestling skill. Good at all. Um, but I mean, funny story. Can I, can I jump into a funny story? Yep. One of those people that we're talking about used to be an avid follower of mine <laughs> when I was doing last mark standing. I had met them in public multiple times. And the minute I chastised their wrestling ability, yeah, I became persona, persona non grata. <laughs> so that's a true statement. <laughs> thin skin. Thin oh, skin. Man. Thin skin indeed. Yeah. That's what happens when you try but to kill Tony it. Storm during a hurricanrana. I mean, <laughs> come- <laughs> I knew. I do exactly what you're talking about. Also, since we're talking about the great city of Baltimore, my favorite city. And also, my Your favorite, favorite my favorite president also also visited that that city yesterday or today. Um, and everything I've just said in the last ten seconds is absolutely a lie. Just thought I thought that out there, but that happens to be the craziest but funniest thing I've seen on the news. I was like, huh, what was what was going on out there that needs that to happen? Um, but no, more importantly, it and I must say NWO um, for life. And, Dennis Rodman, he's still filming <laughs> NWO on ESPN. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, um, NWO, geez, uh, bringing up Billy Corgan. Uh, yeah, so we know ROH, obviously, and, and, um, and that partnership did work. So ROH legit has to be, like, on their last, like, dying life here. 
as far as partnership. So, um, yeah, that move absolutely seems to make sense for me. And I think it will work considering a lot of that talent in New Japan uh, has worked in New Japan, has been in their uh, different tournaments and so forth. And New, New Japan needs American distribution and and gains uh and, and, and tried to gain American turf. I think that just makes sense on that note. And if Impact really wants to get some eyes on them, hell, seeing Okada walk in the Impact ring may actually make a lot of shit go crazy. So uh, I I I don't know how it works, but yeah, if if, if the majestic bird of Hootie can come down and uh and and, and, <laughs> and do some things, that could be. Monumental. I mean, this Essex move is already big, but I gotta think that, like you said, based on the rumors you guys have been hearing, um, I, I I I have to think that this can't be the end of it, and this legit puts them as a firm two again outside of WWE. Um, I, yeah, because has nothing. They have not done anything besides pay per view, but when it comes down to television, this puts them at. Um, as of right now, this puts Impact as a strong two um, for an, an access period for your wrestling needs. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about our last topic so we can uh, get ready to close out the show. Uh, we're talking about people that's been blocked, but I've been pleading my case. And I think that at some point that this block needs to be uplifted because as you're talking about the King of the Ring finals, it, I would be pretty upset if I can't personally think King Corbin, once he wins, <laughs> at class be a jackass. <laughs> I if I can't it. personally at this man and, and, and congratulate him, I'm going to be pretty upset. But man, I think for, I don't even want to steal Will's thunder about why this just makes sense for him. But man, is the guy. I mean, he's getting type. He's getting Chernobyl nuclear heat right now from people. The fact that he's winning and the way he's winning, and it just makes it make more and more sense. Uh, but other than that, besides the King of the Ring finals and going to Class of Champions this week, um, and obviously the WWE product at Master Square Garden, any thoughts uh, about WWE and the things that's been going on there uh, this weekend or this week? Uh, if I can add two things, uh, number one, I don't know why Madison Square Garden gets the hype that it, it has. I don't know if you, Damien, you've probably been there many times. Yeah. Uh, Madison Square Garden is slightly better than the Baltimore Arena. <laughs> oh, wait a minute! It's an old building. Wait a minute! They have made upgrades over the last two two and a half three years, so it's okay, not right. as so the, dumpy as it was about five six years ago. So, so Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, is revered because it's old. And to be honest with you, this is actually the second Madison Square Garden. Yes, they put it right. over the train station. Yes, um, it's it's a, it's a thing. Yay! But it's a shitty building. It is. Like, and it's in a really shitty location for... It's good for tourists, but like diehard New York fans, it's not a good place. That's why a lot more people actually flock to the Barclays Center. I mean, Barclays Center is small, but it's very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you want to see a hockey game, then it's totally weird and don't do it. Yes. But, you know, Madison Square Garden, I, don't, I, don't, I, I get it, but I don't get it, but I really don't get it. Um... <laughs> The whole thing about Baron Corbin winning the King of the Ring, I think it speaks for itself because wasn't it supposed to be a final at Clash of the Champions? Yes, it was. To... So right, right. So as much as so, and I'm glad that Baron Corbin blocked me because the first thing that I would say to him is, "You couldn't draw a dime with a paper and pen. 
they moved your championship, well, not your championship, but your, your finals to the King of the Ring tournament, the culmination of what, three, four weeks uh, of this tournament going on? And they moved it to what, a second hour uh, match on Raw? Not even the main event? Because why? And don't blame this all on, on Chad Gable. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't see it. And if Corbin wins, then so be it. He'll get his scepter and he won't, still won't be King Booker. Which, well, which is the best iteration of the King of the Ring tournament? I'm sorry. Right, but that was still a terrible character, um, <clears throat> because the King of the Ring tournament really isn't that great. But still, I mean, how do you how can you tout a win on tout if you got downsized from a interview match to? A raw match that may be seven minutes with uh, like a national tire and battery commercial in the middle of it. Go to hell, Corbin. Uh, uh, Robert, edit real quick. Just, just uh, uh, one step back. Um, at the end of the access uh, statement, they say we've grown its popularity and reach on YouTube, Twitch. What in the hell is Pluto? Pluto is whoa, whoa, is a what? television uh, uh, service. Uh, kind of like string, but really, really shitty and free. Just, yeah, just wondering because they say they've grown this popularity and reach on YouTube, Twitch, Pluto, and social media platforms. Okay, wait a minute, two champs. Uh, I gotta jump in here as the as the Latino dude on, on the set here. Uh, it sounds like you're saying something else when you say that. So <laughs> something that got Cody Rhodes in trouble. <laughs> you know, Pluto, uh, like the planet. So that's not what you're saying, right? Or like the planet, Pluto. Pluto. Yeah. Okay, you scared me there for a minute. I'm like, dude, really? I'm standing right here. I'll, Come be, on. I'll, I'll be sure to make sure I mark this episode uh, explicit. I will make sure by all intents and purposes. Uh, but yeah, go uh, ahead, guys. Give me, give me some thoughts for this week. All right, I'll jump in here. Oh, uh, I know. Come on, guys. Get in it's all, it's all good to what we got. That, I, mean, I am blown away by how damn good the King of the Ring has been. It Same. really has been a, a solid, solid tournament. They've given time to most of the really good matches that you would think, you know, on paper that would play out well. Like, they've devoted time to it where it needed time. They've kind of breezed through the stuff that's kind of been shaky. But, I mean, the last few weeks have been really, really good. I mean, yeah, Baron Corbin is having good matches. Like, really solid, good matches throughout this thing. What they've done with Chad Gable on SmackDown was has been really good with the whole underdog story. And then they got dealt, you know, what could have been a disaster this week with Elias getting hurt and Elias having to step out of the tournament. But and Lord knows people were losing their mind on Tuesday night when Shane O'Mac got <laughs> in Elias's place. People were throwing a fit about it online. So but happy. I stand by this. They could not have done a better use of Shane O'Mac on Tuesday night than they did. And Chad Gable going over Shane O'Mac, not once, but twice, within minutes, completely clean, did so much more for him than going over Elias ever would have. So, if anything, that was like a serendipitous moment where, yeah, Elias got hurt, but they got a better deal out of it in the end with, with throwing Shane O'Mac out there and just having Gable take him out. I assume it's Corbin's thing to win. 
Maybe they go all the way to the gable and surprises. I don't know. The gimmick to me, the King of the Ring gimmick to me, fits the idea of King Corbin. I want to see the makeover. I want to see a robe. I want to see some new gear on him. But you never know. But God damn, the King of the Ring's been fun. It's been really fun, and I want to see what they do Monday night with it. And I think it'll go longer than seven minutes. These matches, they've been giving them some time. I think I think they'll give those guys some time. Heck, they got three hours on Raw to fill. They can they can give Gable and Corbin some time for the King of the Ring final. I mean, they they, they could, and and we've seen Gable put on 20, 30 minute classics. But have we seen Corbin do that? Can <laughs> Corbin give us fifteen minutes? I mean, physically. Yeah, I don't. Mm, I don't know. He's he'll give, he'll really give him good. twelve with with three rest holds. Okay. 12 to, okay. Twelve to fifteen with commercials. So if you're in <laughs> Vegas, if you're in Vegas, that's your prop bet. The over under on rest holds from Corbin. <laughs> Ooh, uh, four. Yeah. Ooh, four is a solid number. I like I'm going to take. I'm going to take the under on four. And then parlay that with Michael Cole, uh, you know, screaming about how vintage that is. <laughs> vintage get, Corbin. Vintage Corbin. How is that even the thing? How is that even uh, the thing? Uh, I can't wait to be calling him King Corbin next week. So uh, you guys take that to the bank as of now. Uh, but yeah, I, the, the King of the Ring tournament has absolutely been. Absolutely mind blowingly good. Had no clue would manifest to its source, but like it, it's definitely been entertaining. Um, other than that, is there anything else to talk about? God, WWE from this weekend now because we're 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 really at our mark. But if there's anything else that we haven't covered, I'm, I don't I don't know. I feel like there's something that I wanted to bring up, but now I can't even remember. Um, no, we're waiting for Tuesday. Obviously, everybody knows about uh, Kevin. I was about to say call Kevin Steen. But everybody knows about Kevin Owens, uh, you know, cryptic, numer- alphanumeric uh, text. Um, you know, I mean, tweet, that was a thing. And maybe he'll pop up with NXT. Maybe he won't. Uh, we all you know, speculate about uh, the Fiends, eleven nineteen giant clock of shame and what that actually could mean. Uh, a lot of these things, just wait and see. Uh, I think the big thing that I'm looking forward to is what NXT actually becomes. Uh, personally... If NXT TakeOver does move to like a six TakeOver per year, I hope that WWE scales down the number of pay-per-view events they do. They don't need to do 12 or 13 or 14 they do a year. Um, so if WWE can scale down the number of pay-per-views to like 10 and we get two more TakeOvers, and yeah, I think that's a good balance. Uh, and then whatever uh, NXT uh, you know, Brexit does um, is a good you know, balance throughout the year instead of just like a pay-per-view every two weeks with generally no bill. But other than that, next week, you know, that's what we're waiting for. Makes sense to me. Um, And definitely, yeah, next week is definitely going to be absolutely exciting. I'm looking forward to that again. Um, Actually, can I, can I chime in with a couple of like random wrestling takes here? Because uh, off topic guys, I was at the MOW tapings last week in in Dallas, um, La Park or LA Park, whatever they're calling him now. How the hell is he one of the last people legitimately standing without the need of a walker from like the WCW, 
Like it wasn't Lapark Jr. or Lapark the Fourth. It was literally the chairman of the board, big gut and all, still <laughs> wrestling, like horrible matches, mind you, but just still wrestling. And I'm looking at him thinking, this is the dude that used to grab the chair and play the guitar. And he did it to remind people of who he used to be. But watching the MLW show, there was MJF, there was LaParque, Selena De La Renta, Andy Dalton for, for, for people who follow here in Dallas. Um, there was like a bootleg war games with one of the Von Erichs and Kevin Von Erich, you know, took them to ringside. Simon Grimm is now going by Simon Gotch now. It is so weird watching an MLW taping. It was four hours. Four freaking hours. I got there at the ROH 6 taping. Yeah, I got there at 6.30. We didn't leave until about 11. It Ooh. was hot. It was uncomfortable. I mean, GA was $10. That was great. But my God. For a talent stream that has been that diluted over the last year and a half, how the hell are you there for an hour, for four hours trying to keep fans interested? Seriously. MLW, you supposedly have money. Spend it on something else other than your advertising because you need to put that money elsewhere. That was horrible. I would never tell anyone to go to a four-hour MLW taping ever in my life. I don't know, Damien. It sounds like you just may be a beacon of shows running overtime. Now, outside, <laughs> of, outside of Battle Club, House of Glory has infamously always run yes. super long shows. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it might be something. It might be me. It like might be It you. might just be I show up at shows and all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Damien Salty G is here. Let's have him there for 17 hours. <laughs> and then he'll be extra salty when he goes on air. <laughs> But oh my god! And then like the Von Erichs, I found out the Von Erichs live in Hawaii now on some compound. Like they're like the the Waco cult, and it's are you serious right now? They wrestle like four times a year, like. <laughs> but it's Texas, so the Von Erichs. There were people with VWO shirts. Von Erich World Order. What oh, in the god. name of all that is holy was happening last weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, you're talking about old WCW people. Ultimo Dragon is still wrestling. Apparently, he just signed to Dragon Gate. So, um, oh. there's that. And I don't know Ultimo Dragon unless he has a billion belts. So, you guys <laughs> let me know if <laughs> that's still a thing right now. But, yeah, these... So, oh, no, man. Some of these guys, it, it is really miraculous how over the... Even the Rock and Roll Express, like... Yeah. Oh my God! They're at Glory they're Pro work this New year. Japan. They're yeah. at Glory Pro in a couple of weeks, and they're wrestling the besties. How in the world does the <laughs> Rock and Roll Express, with their geriatric asses, still work with LAX, the besties, and all these these really good tag teams? And you know what? The fact that Ricky Morton can hit a Canadian Destroyer. More power to you, sir, with your geriatric geritol ass. <laughs> well, wasn't Ricky Morton thrown into like the volcano of reincarnation uh, on impact? <laughs> I mean, maybe it worked. That's right. He's too should still be stuck in that cherry picker. That's right. He got so Right, I remember when I saw that the first time, the final deletion. I I didn't know what the hell I was was watching. I literally looked. I said, "Are they all high?" Like that was the first. <laughs> <thing I thought. laughs> 
Like, are they all high and drunk because this is ingenious but stupid at the same time? Oh my goodness. Anyway, sorry guys. That that's my little. Yeah, you I know, don't need to apologize. You know, watching wrestling live this weekend. I'm I'm starting to attend more events. Um, two weeks ago, I went to uh, sabotage, what's supposed to be sabotage women's wrestling, but they do have a smattering of, of male wrestlers, and that whole Booker T R O W women's division is, is something to keep your eye on. You know, they they have a lot of up and coming talent for women's wrestling, and we all and, and if y'all don't know by now. I am a very big proponent on women's wrestling, an advocate. Uh, I, I steady it for some odd reason because my father kind of got us into women's sports growing up because he said they're better athletically than the men in a lot of cases. So it's like one of those things where I respect women athletes, but the ROW women's division, Booker T is doing something down there in Houston. There's something in the water that these women are taking to wrestling like ducks to water. Uh, you know, I have a fake cousin named Alex Gracia that comes out of there, which is pretty hilarious because uh, my last name is not that like, common of Gracia, not Garcia. Um, you know, Jenna Lynn, Rachel Rose, uh, Roxy, who is 17, but acts as if she's been wrestling for 20 years. Uh, there's a lot of good wrestling out there. And big shout out to GPA for anyone who follows him in the in Midwest, mm-hmm. you know, on, you know, out there. Uh, he looks like Tony Parker. Uh <laughs> He gets a lot of heat from that Tony Parker chant. You know, he hates it, but he's one of the best technical wrestlers that you may not know of. And he's a great heel. Like, if you think Ethan, he's like Ethan Page for homeless people, if that's the best way for me to put it. <laughs> not a poor man's Ethan Page. He's oh a homeless God. person's Ethan Page. But he's really good and legit a good dude. Like, he's super shy when you talk to him, meet and greets, you know, but he's a cocky SOB. And you know what? It's good to be going back to covering wrestling shows. That's the whole point of this diatribe, folks, is that it's good for me to go back and cover wrestling shows and be a part of the crowd and people watch and just say, what the hell am I doing here for four hours? (laughs) (laughs) Awesomeness. Uh, I guess this can be the absolute last question uh, because it is coming up. uh, Tickets are on sale and selling rather briskly. Is anybody no. seriously considering going? To, I know you're not because you're a hater. But is anybody seriously considering going to Baltimore? Speaking of a four-hour-long show, to see Full Gear in person? No. Well, not yeah, for the you're, prices they were charging. I I looked last Friday when they went up, and I was like, oh, okay. There's there's there no Ticketmaster didn't crash. Thank God. <laughs> it was it was the option was absolutely right there to get tickets, but for what they were charged, they were pretty much charging like a hundred bucks for anything in the lower bowl unless you were like up in a corner and even those were about 90 and i was like eh for that much and they're gonna we're going to the debut all of like a month before if they hadn't just come through the area i'd be a lot more inclined but at least right now unless i change my mind it's not sold out i wasn't jumping on it yet it didn't get me yeah uh i I think i'll if unless it sells out between now and halloween that's when I'll probably go yes or no. Uh, I need to see what television is going to do first before yeah. I commit to like being out on the streets of Baltimore at like a quarter to midnight waiting for a bus or a cab because if any of the other pay-per-views are any indication, this show is going to be four and a half hours long. 
So yeah, it'll be close to it'll be close to midnight by the time it's done. And and the other thing that also was kind of pushing me away from it, I was like, do, do I want to shell out this kind of money for Jericho versus Cody? It's like to, to me that is just such a WWE match. So it's like that ain't grabbing me. You know, I'm sure there'll be other great stuff on the card, but when they're just coming through the area four weeks prior, it's like okay, I'm I'm gonna have just seen you guys at the debut show. So. You mean to tell me that you don't think Bubbly, Bubbly and Pluto is a good combination? No. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's not the main event I want to see. A <laughs> little bit of Bubbly and, and Pluto. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a pass to me, big dog. Absolutely negative. Not well, I mean, to be fair, it's in Baltimore. They could have given you tickets, hand-delivered, by Brandy Rhodes herself. You'd still be like, I'm going to sit this one out, Chief. Wait yeah. a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. If Randy yeah. Rose is handing me the tickets, I might have to change my mind. Just... <laughs> yeah, nah. Happy I'm... six-year anniversary, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> also, too, I might, well just, I also might as well just say that uh, Tegan Knox being back in NST UK, seeing her wrestle, pretty good, because seeing her go down to Maniac Classic was absolutely sad, so good to see her back in the ring. And and for what that's worth, so, uh, oh. but yeah, Oscar's uh, YouTube channel. Oh, that's what I wanted to bring up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please end it with that. Please end it with that. If if you haven't seen Oscar's YouTube channel, the uh, Kana Chan uh, TV, the uh, there's only three uh, uploads, but within the last week or so, they're absolutely insane and completely ridiculous. And if you if you're interested in her at all, she's such uh, just an endearing personality, and the shows are a lot of fun. Um, and she's just doing many, many chats, like putting together a gaming chair, or playing the Legend of Zelda theme on a, on a recorder, or playing Mario Maker. And it's, it's it's so damned interesting, and they're all presented in the Japanese style of variety show. So a lot of on-screen text, a lot of sound effects, and stuff like that. Uh, really different, unless you like Japanese variety shows. But Damned if it isn't hilarious and entertaining. Uh, I don't. I didn't know that's what I needed to see a Japanese woman put together a chair. But it's yeah, it, it's 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 very good. Was so it fun. an IKEA chair? No, it was like one of those uh, uh, gaming chairs, like DX Racer or okay, you know, one cool. of those one of those deals. But um, still, a lot of fun, and it really is like re- as good as it is. It makes me sad that she's not being used on TV as, as such. But it is kind of just so much fun. So much yeah, fun. absolutely. First first episode I watch. Um, her personality is I, I, Jamal's obviously been a fan of hers way before I have, and seeing her come to the U.S., seeing her with um, you know the challenges with the language barrier and so forth. But absolutely seeing her because her her Twitter, no matter if she runs it or not, you know there was a personality within within her that was just seeking to come out, and it's. Absolutely. And I think it's just because we're just victims of our time when we, you know, of, of uh, when we were born. But it just absolutely seems such a disjustice for her to just now just starting to make that YouTube channel because for three episodes in and getting to see her do something she loves and her and, and her personality be on full display. It is absolutely must watch. It is entertaining and it is pure as possible. And I, right now it's easily one of my favorite uh, streaming channels right now. Yeah. And also, also it's all hell. Yeah. But uh, Xavier Xavier Woods needs to watch his back. That's all. Oh, for sure. And also, I was going to say too, Super Mario Maker gives me the highest form of anxiety ever 
Doc, I was just like, how in the world can anyone play this game? And to see that, like, how much fun she's having with it and the commentary with it is is it's dope as hell. You definitely got to check that out, too. Also, for this is my last thing. Just breaking news from Evolve that uh, Walter versus Cassius Uno is being signed for Evolve 136 in Queens, New York, September 21st. Um, Damn that, it. That's the week before I get there. That Ooh. right there. Is that, is that a Laboom? If it's yeah. a Laboom, I might have to go. Damn. That right Great right, nachos. Yeah, that right there. <laughs> <laughs> that right there. Yeah, it's in Laboom. It, it is absolutely yes. is. Wow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm getting all these. I'm getting so many quesadilla flashbacks right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all 136. It just been signed that the NXT UK champion Walter will face Cassis Uno, and um, not only will they be facing, they'll be doing meet and greets as well too. So that's that's pretty damn awesome. But yeah, that's absolutely it for this week's episode. Um, and who knows what this title is going to be? Maybe it's going to be the Mystical Beast. Hootie, maybe that's what we're gonna call it. The I don't mythical know. beast Hootie. <laughs> yeah. The Omnibird. The Omnibird. The, the, the Omnibird. <laughs> but again, everybody, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next week. All I really need that big-